keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Monday, August 7th, 2023. The Feast of St. Cajetan. Cajetan was born in 1480 in Thien, and that's northern Italy, into a noble family. He co-founded the Congregation of Thedians, aiming to promote the Catholic Reformation. The Thedians lived exclusively on spontaneous alms, showing great confidence in God's providence. Now, you may be asking, what is spontaneous alms? Well, Cajetan felt that God was calling him to a radical poverty that goes even beyond the Franciscan order, to have a vow of poverty that showed forth the love of God and the trust in divine providence that pale, that made Francis of Assisi pale in comparison. Why did he do this? Because in the Middle Ages, there was a decadence in the clergy due to their attachment to wealth and luxurious lifestyles. For instance, I, I bet a bunch of, uh, of clergy had Jeep Wranglers, they used to uh, like to drive motorcycles, and a lot of the clergy had really, really fancy um, houses and cars they liked to drive and vacation homes. All these kind of things were happening in the Middle Ages, and St. Cajetan sought to restore the balance between riches and poverty in the church. And so they had voluntary alms. Now, what does that mean? That means they were not allowed to beg. They could only live on spontaneous alms, people who were inspired by the Holy Ghost to go up to them and say, hey, here's some money, and hand them some money. Otherwise, they lived on nothing except what they had on their person. This required a intense trust in divine providence, and I'm sure many days of going hungry. So this reminds us and asks us to pray for this spirit of poverty in our world, which is surrounded by the spirit that was there in the Middle Ages, how much worse today, this materialistic, this love of the world, this worldly love. Let's pray that we have a detachment from the world, from the material things, and that God raises up certain individuals to counterattack the evils afflicting the church and society today, just as St. Cajetan did in his day. St. Cajetan, pray Pray for for us. us. Praise be to God. Happy Monday to you. I hope your weekend was amazing. I had a very nice weekend myself. Uh, But joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. I had a good weekend, too. I went birding spontaneously, and uh, I found this new place, thanks to one of our listeners, and I found uh, a duet of owls. I start chasing them, right? I start chasing them. I'm like, wow, my heart's beating. I'm I'm just like scattering in the darkness, and uh, all of a sudden I get to the tree. And a murder of crows comes out of nowhere Oof. and spooks them off. So I guess I'll just have to go back. Wow. But it was in your neck of the woods out in Seabrook, Texas. Oh, wow. Beautiful area. You know, I do not trust owls. No. Do not trust owls. Why? Are they spooky? They are spooky. Yeah, kind of spooky. And uh, I'm not unconvinced that they're not all witches. Oh, I've heard about that too. <laughs> right? You heard yeah, that? Yeah, right? I've heard that little legend. I think that's like a Mexican thing. I don't know. It is a Mexican thing. Yeah. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, owls. All owls are witches, man. Or they might just be <laughs> birds. Who knows? I mean. But look, birds are not real. They're either government 
robots or they're witches. There's nothing Speaking in between. Speaking of birds, they neither toil nor uh, reap or so uh, <laughs> They neither. They neither. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. Ah, <laughs> excuse me. They neither reap nor sow, which kind of like our saint uh, makes me want to ask, can I have five dollars? <laughs> well, you know, okay, so I guess if the Bible talks about birds, I guess they have to be real. True. true. All right, fine. Birds are Unless. real. <laughs> all right all right so at 15 past the hour we're going to talk about something that just came up in california and i think it's really interesting to look at because um gay marriage is not settled law like most people would assume that it is but it's not and what's happening in california proves that so we're going to talk about that at 15 past the hour at 30 past the hour ohio proposes permitting public schools to allow chaplains as part of their counseling services that's really interesting I have some thoughts about that coming up at 30 past the hour. Plus, there's a World Youth Day update that I just have to share with you. I was, like, debating, like, is it worth talking about? <laughs> and I was going back and forth, back and forth. I was like, all right, fine, I'll talk about it. Uh, just because, gee whiz, man, World Youth Day. World Youth Day. At 45 past the hour, Justin Trudeau and his wife separates after 18 years of marriage. And then something happened this weekend, and I was like, oh, well, there you go, folks. And plus, President Biden suddenly expressed his interest in meeting his granddaughter that he's pretended that didn't exist for, like, the last, like, four years. So that's going to be talking about a 45 past the hour. Plus, in the next hour, are you ready for St. Michael's Lent? Do you even know what St. Michael's Lent is? Sounds or, tough. It does sound tough, doesn't it? Sounds very manly. Uh, coming up in the next hour, make sure to tune in for that. And, of course, we have our Fear and Trembling Game Show with prizes and so you're going to want to tune in for all of that coming up in this hour or the next two hours, I suppose. All right, let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We pray in thanksgiving for the weekend. We pray in thanksgiving for all the graces God has given us. We also pray for our friends, family, and benefactors and all those we promise to pray for. We pray for the salvation of souls and the liberty and exaltation of Holy Mother Church. We pray for your intentions, whatever you have going on this week. We pray for that, and if you're near a charity, please pray for me and my recovery from my surgery, my wisdom teeth, because they're still in pain for some reason. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, refuge of sinners and our most loving Mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me of all my powers of soul and body of my whole life, death, eternity, and whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum in all the many strayed and indifferent souls, and thus help extend as far as possible the blessed kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus. For wherever you enter, you obtain the grace of conversion and growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us for the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against your enemies. Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to thee and all those who do not have recourse to thee, especially the Freemasons and those most entrusted into your care. 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. And now, your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are your Monday headlines, and thank you for starting the week with us. Breitbart reports Niger's military junta leaders ask Russia's Wagner Group for protection. An interesting development of the story here. Niger's new military junta has asked for the help of the Russian mercenary group Wagner. As the deadline nears for it to release the country's ousted president or face possible military intervention by the West African regional bloc. The request was made during a visit uh, by one of the coup leaders, General Modi, to neighboring Mali. After his visit to Mali, run by a sympathetic junta, Modi warned against a military intervention, vowing that Niger would do what it takes to not become a new Libya. Rebel News reports half of Australians to face mental health disorder by 75. One in two people will suffer a mental health disorder by the age of 75, according to a Queensland's university report. Report author Professor John McGrath said that the most common disorders were major depression and anxiety. The most common mental health issues among men were alcohol abuse, depression, and specific phobias. For women, specific phobias and depression were most common, as was post-traumatic stress disorder. An American military news reports AI flies Air Force plane with no human on board. The three-hour sortie by a Valkyrie aircraft conducted using algorithms programmed by artificial intelligence took place on July 25th at Elgin Air Force Base here in Florida, according to the Air Force Research Lab. The unmanned flight will enable the Air Force to develop AI and multi-level safety agents that will execute modern-to-air, air-to-air, and air-to-surface skills that will quickly be used in their unmanned collaborative combat aircraft program. And those were your headline news this morning. For now, keep it dialed on Catholic Drive Time for more. Back to you, Adrian. The Gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Now this is our Lord um, doing the multiplication of the loaves of fishes. In verse 13, it says, When Jesus had heard, he retired from thence by a boat into a desert place apart. And the multitudes, having heard of it, followed him on foot out of the cities. Now, Cornelius Lapide immediately questions, how did they follow him if he went by boat? Well, they said that, that the multitudes told everyone about the miracles of our Lord and the great teaching of our Lord for the people who desire to make him king. And so that's why our Lord fled. And after telling everyone, people from all over the place just traveled around to try to make sure and seek him out to figure out where he was going. Cornelius Labade also says that many also got on boats and followed him, which I suppose makes sense if you see someone who does these great miraculous things, how many of us, and maybe very few of us, would seek to follow him to the ends of the earth? I know if you met a St. Vincent Ferrer today, if I met a St. Vincent Ferrer today, I probably would just get up and just keep following him wherever he went, just abandon my life and and go and see what he's doing, see what he's up to, and, and try to become a follower of him. Adrian, you have a job. That's okay. That's okay. That's <laughs> all right. And in verse 14, he says, And coming forth, he saw a great multitude and had compassion on them and healed their sick. See, this is what happens when you follow him and you get your sick healed. And verse 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the hour is now past. Send away the multitudes that going into towns may buy themselves victuals. Now here, it's very important to keep in mind that our Lord, of course, knows everything. He knew that this was going to happen. And so why does he allow this to happen? 
It's because he wanted them to ask. He wanted them to say, hey, look, we need to feed the people. Just that way he could make the miracle and make it very impressive. Now, the other thing that's interesting is our Lord says that it was, or Cornelius Lapide says that our Lord was speaking to Philip here. Philip, apparently, which I think is really interesting because I didn't know this, that Philip here is the most candid and docile of the, than the rest of the apostles. Because he is uh, cited as having said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. He was a very plain man, a very unaccustomed to ask many things, uh, very straightforward. I kind of like that. And so Philip here is talking to our Lord, and our Lord tells him, they, they have no need to go. Give you them to eat. And they answer him, we have not here but five loaves and two fishes. He says, bring them hither to me. And so they bring them to him. Now, it's interesting also to note, Cornelius Lapide says that when he breaks the loaves and fishes, and he blesses them and breaks them, there is a number of things happening here. First, he looks up to heaven. And so this is an example for us to always thank the Lord, to look up to heaven, to thank God for the graces he gives us. First, then he blesses the food itself. And this is an example to us. We bless our food before we eat it. And this is something that our Lord does because it shows that he's doing it of his own power. It's not he looks up to heaven and prays to God, and then the loaves and fish multiply. He looks up to heaven, thanks God, blesses the bread and fish, and then he breaks them. And then he breaks them, showing that the multiplication of loaves and fishes happened first. It wasn't as they were passing it out that they, the, the loaves and fishes were multiplying there. It was multiplied right then and there at the blessing and breaking of the loaves. This is, of course, a looking forward to the multiplication of the, uh, the Holy Eucharist, of our Lord, the transubstantiation of the Eucharist. Well, this is important to keep in mind because John sets this up in order, where he says the multiplication of loaves of fishes, and then immediately after puts in the institution of the Eucharist. Why is this important? Because Protestants will mock Catholics and say, how do you think that Jesus was uh, transubstantiated into the Eucharist? That's crazy. And you're telling me that's crazy, but it's not crazy to think that our Lord could create something out of nothing, could create the universe itself out of nothing, can multiply loaves and fishes, can heal the blind, can make the dead rise, can raise himself from the dead, can walk on water, can control the weather, but... Saying that you believe in the Eucharist, that's too far. God can't do that. That's something God would not do. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. Of course, that's absurd. And our Lord shows this by doing the miracles of bread first, showing if I can do this, how much more can I do other things? So let's keep this in mind and recognize our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. We'll be right back with more right after this. What are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a fanatic? Well, have you ever heard someone defending animal rights as if they have completely forgotten about human rights? 
G.K. Chesterton says that is a perfect example of a fanatic, someone with a sense of a particular truth that is too strong for his sense of the universal truth. He will invoke even cruelty to prevent cruelty to animals. Later, he may even invoke cruelty to animals to prevent cruelty to pit ponies. It is not merely that he has kept one thing and lost a thousand things. He has lost the basis even of the one thing. For a man cannot long remain right without a reason. We must accept all the universal truths so that we don't go off balance with one particular truth. And where do we find the perfect balance of all universal truths? In the Catholic Church. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. There was an interesting story that came out, which I kind of sparked me to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole that I've done in the past. And it was just good to re- do a refresher. CNN reports, California voters will decide whether to repeal the state's Proposition 8 same-sex marriage ban in 2024. I think this is very, very interesting because in 2024, the Californians will have a opportunity to repeal Prop 8. So what is Prop 8? Prop 8 was a ban on same-sex marriage that was added to the state's constitution in 2008. Now, you may be saying, wait a second, California state constitution banned same-sex marriage as recently as 2008? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because... The history of same-sex marriage in California is not what most people would think. And this was first brought to my attention by the TFP, actually, because the TFP have been active across America for decades. And they have been had a hand in, in doing major campaigns across California promoting traditional marriage, especially whenever these votes would come up. And so before the 1970s, there are just like pretty much every state in the United States... There is no legal recognition of same-sex marriage before the 1970s. Marriage was defined very clearly as a union between a man and a woman. What many people call today traditional marriage, which is just actually just marriage, because gay marriage is a contradiction in terms. Between the 1970s and 1990s, there was a rise in local recognition and opposition. And so then people started protesting this movement to try to legalize same-sex couples. And so some local governments in California started to recognize domestic, quote, quote unquote, domestic partnerships and offering limited legal protections of same-sex couples. Now, notice the idea of marriage did not come up. They did not see these things as marriage. What it was was some legal protections, which I'm not saying that this is good. I'm just saying that showing you the how they kind of shaped the language over time. They were trying to have this gradualism. They're like, oh, you know, we're not actually trying to get marriage. What we're trying to do is just recognize domestic partnerships. Uh, we're just trying to have legal rights. So if, you know, two people are together and they want to be able to, to have rights of eternity over each other, that kind of thing. Very pernicious, slow rolling of these ideas. Adrian, what do you think about people who say that the slippery slope does not exist? I mean, is this not really the prime example of our modern you know, modern times? I mean, this is just the classic, like, bow-on-top example. You know, I've, I've always wanted to do a whole show dedicated to the slippery slope fallacy because a slippery slope fallacy and what this is are not the same thing. Oh, really? Okay. Because a slippery slope fallacy is basically saying 
this it's it's falling something and saying that something absurd will happen because of what you're doing. What this is is following your premises to its logical conclusion, mm. which sound very similar, but they're not the same thing. And the reason why they're not the same thing is because a slippery slope fallacy, the conclusion does not follow from the premises. Whereas a logical conclusion, uh, the conclusion does fall from the premises. I see. And so that's the and that's the pernicious thing that they do. They're like, that's a slippery slope fallacy. But it's not. We're just saying if you do A, the then logical conclusion is B. Yeah. And it's very clear. And it's like we test it every time. Instead of actually banning it, we're like, well, let's find out in 30 years. And then we find out. We're like, oh, look, we were right 30 years ago. Too late now. Whoa. Kids are literally mutilating themselves. Hmm. Yeah. They didn't yeah. know that would happen. Right. It's like, shocker. <laughs> Who would have guessed? And in the year 2000, Proposition 22 was passed in California. And it defined marriage in the state's family code as a union between a man and a woman, explicitly prohibiting same-sex marriage. You have to realize that these things were rising up in California over and over again. And this is the tactic of the revolution. They will pick a problem. And they will attack it over and over and over and over again. And you shoot it down, you shoot it down, you shoot it down, and you wear down people. Like the first time this came up, I'm sure the amount of news coverage was crazy. And everyone went out to vote against it. But then you do it a second time, and people are like, oh, here it is again. And they kind of less people. And then you do it a third time. Oh, here it is again. And then you do it a fourth time. And you do it a fifth time. And they keep bringing it up over and over again, putting it up for a vote over and over again. And whereas the enemies of the truth stay vicious, stay encouraged, whereas the people who are the friends of truth, they get lazy. And they're like, well, we already voted it down last time. It's going to get voted down again. And so they don't come out. But we even see in 2004, it wasn't until 2004 when the mayor of San Francisco, who was who at the time? Gavin Newsom. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? The plot thickens. And the plot thickens. Gavin Newsom, in 2004, instructed the city clerk to issue marriage license to same-sex couples. Thousands of same-sex couples flocked to San Francisco, and this is where we get the reputation of San Francisco. It predated that in terms of like the culture, but in terms of the, the legal and the decadence of San Francisco legally... This is where it began. They started fleeing to San Francisco to get married. However, these marriages were actually invalidated later by the courts in California. And this is, this is what we're seeing in California. These people are, do not realize that these things happen over and over again in California. In 2008, in the legalization and Proposition 8, in 2008, the California Supreme Court ruled in the case and remarriage cases and limited marriage to opposite-sex couples which is an interesting phrase, opposite-sex couples, violated the state's constitution, legalized same-sex marriage in California, thousands of same-sex marriages to get married in this period. So there was a, a fight, basically, in this time, where they were like, okay, we're going to allow same-sex marriage, and then it was taken up to a higher court, and ultimately, in the November of 2008, so this is May 2008, in November 2008, it was put on the ballot, with in passing with approximately 52% of the vote, they banned same-sex marriage in California in the state constitution. 2008. In 2010, it was challenged, and these, the U.S. Supreme Court dismissed the appeal. 
uh, due to, I think it was because of procedural reasons. And so it's kind of in limbo where it was still on the state constitution, but it was being ignored by most municipalities, which is why you started seeing during that time. It's like, oh, yeah, we allow gay marriage in California, even though technically on the books it was illegal. This is why it's important to have a good executive um, branch in your government because you can have all the laws you want. If no one's enforcing them, then it doesn't really matter. But we have to understand this was illegal all the way up until 2013. And then it wasn't until Obergefell when it was actually made legal in California. Whenever the federal government stepped in and said, we're just going to override all the state's issues and we're going to impose this upon your state. California, to this day, it is illegal in California to be married according to state law. It's only because of federal law that you can have gay marriage. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that absurd to think about? Yeah. So, here's the question. 2024, they're going to put this up for a vote to try to overturn Prop 8. What do you think is going to happen? I don't think it's going to pass. In the same so? No, in the same way that uh, before I left, there was a huge push to recall Gavin Newsom. Hmm. And, uh, you know, people were going out there with, uh, with uh, clipboards asking for, for signatures and stuff. Well, they got enough. They put it through and they said, oh, actually, you, you collected the information wrong. And then they had to go out again and get more signatures. Well, they got to the point where they got, uh, you know, they got everything taken care of. But Newsom, for whatever reason, was not recalled. There wasn't really a great, uh, you know, a desire to recall him. And I think most Californians really aren't tuned in into politics because if they were to uh, remember what happened during the lockdowns, which were like super heavy handed in California, a lot worse in California than probably other places in the country. They would have remembered that Gavin Newsom was caught with a large family, like a large gathering in this like absurdly expensive uh, restaurant in California. And and I, I would have thought that, that that would have driven them to have recalled him because obviously, you know, he's not a good governor. He's not doing anything that that was really, you know, helping the the, the state. But even even with that information, I think people still didn't turn out, still didn't really connect with the with the issue of having him recalled. So I don't know. I, I think now, even with time, that uh, people are more indoctrinated into this this idea and they think that they actually believe that men and men can marry each other and they think that that's that's OK. So I think with time now, now that, you know, we're how many years now, like close to 15 yeah. years after it's it's over it's done i think i think that has become a part of california culture yeah so now i i'm kind i think whatever the result is is going to tell us a lot about how society has shifted yeah because people always will and this this argument comes up all the time it is the law doesn't matter people are going to do whatever they want anyway so why try to ban it and this is the argument even some pro-lifers make about abortion. They'll say, well, who cares about banning abortion? We have to change the culture and make it. Uh, we don't want to make um, abortion illegal. We want to make it unthinkable. That's what they'll say. And I'm like, I want it to be illegal and unthinkable. And criminalized. And criminalized, of course. And this is important because the law is a teacher. The law shapes the way people think. If something is legal, 
many people, obviously not everybody, but many people will think that something is okay if it is legal. And so if something is illegal, many people will think it's not okay. And I think this is going to be a huge test to see this. In 2013 or 2010, or what was I saying? 2008? I forget now. I just completely lost what I was saying. At 52% of Californians were against gay marriage. If it's like 80% of Californians are for gay marriage now, if it's even, uh, if it's like 55, I'd be like, okay, that's actually really encouraging. But if it's something much higher, if it's over 60%, if it's over 70%, then it kind of shows you the law shapes the way people think. Mm-hmm. That if you legalize something, it's going to change what people believe. People are going to say, I'm okay with this. Another great example in California is legalized marijuana. Yeah. It became completely okay. Yeah. And then immediately everybody's like, well, therefore, it must not be bad. Yeah. And so this is something that we have to keep in mind, and we cannot cede the ground legally on any of these moral cases. Because when you legalize something, when you make it okay to do it, you are doing exactly that. You are making it okay to do that. And I think that it would be very interesting to keep an eye on the story, especially when it comes up. And I hope that there is a huge movement, a huge swell in California to not overturn it. Because what does this mean? This means that if Obergefell gets turned over as an unconstitutional, kind of like Roe v. Wade, Mm -hmm. what happens to California? That means gay marriage becomes illegal in California once again. And how many states would be that way? This is why we have to fight for these things. Even if you think it's a lost cause, like, oh, if I ban this, it doesn't even matter because the federal law says X, so it doesn't even matter what the state law is. It matters because those things can get overturned. And... Reading the cases from Roe v. Wade, it seems like it's very possible that it could be overturned as unconstitutional to be overstepping the bounds into every state in the country. So we'll see what happens. And what happens in California, I think, will happen elsewhere. We'll be right back right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone, while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. 
The Epic Times reports, UK man fined for praying outside of abortion clinic now faces criminal charges. This is an update to a story from about a year ago. Local authorities in Bournemouth, England, have filed criminal charges against Adam Smith Connor, an army veteran and father fined in 2022 for praying silently within an abortion facility censorship zone, or what they call buffer zones out in the UK. Smith Connor had approached an abortion facility intending to pray for his unborn son who had died in an abortion he helped procure at a similar facility more than two decades ago. He was approached and he admitted he was praying. He stood silently with his back to the clinic and uh, he did that to respect the privacy of the staff and visitors according to the Alliance Defending Freedom UK. Community safety officers inquired about what he was doing to which he rep responded, I'm praying for my son who is deceased. Breitbart reports Texas woman gets probation for stabbing date as revenge for Iranian general's killing. This is an absurd story. Following her arrest, 23-year-old Nika Nikubin faced attempted murder, battery, and burglary charges while also pleading guilty to a pair of felony counts of false imprisonment with a deadly weapon. That was her victim who was imprisoned with a deadly weapon. When officers initially took her into custody, Nakubin told them that she wanted revenge for the killing of General Qasem Soleimani. And the Blaze Report's videos show huge giveaway by social media influencer sparking mayhem in New York City. Kai Sinet taken into custody. Quote, it's a war out there, unquote. Kai Sinet, a popular Twitch tr streamer and YouTube content creator, promised a huge giveaway at 4 p.m. on Friday in Manhattan, New York PD, estimated that a couple thousand people assembled in Union Square to get their hands on free PlayStation 5 video game consoles, gaming PCs, and gift cards from the social media star who has millions of fans. An NYPD spokesperson said that the department issued a level four mobilization. That's the city's highest level of disaster response. The spokesperson also said that more than a thousand officers were requested to respond to the escalating situation there. Kai Senate was reportedly taken into custody by authorities for inciting a riot. Those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless you and all of your holy efforts today. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, this story, I think, is really interesting, Rudy. It says Ohio proposes permitting public schools to allow chaplains as a part of counseling services. Hmm. That's very interesting to me. I think that's a very good idea. And... The um, Republican representative, Gary Click, said whatever works that's ethical should be available, which I think makes a lot of sense. If you're going to be trying to help kids, why limit yourself to the most mundane sources of a solution? To Here's the worldly the trick, solutions. Though. Yeah, to the worldly solutions. Here's a trick, though. They have to be in conjunction with the, um, the, not the, uh, I'm sorry, what am I, the, not the, the counselor, the school counselor. Okay. So they have to be working in conjunction with one another. The idea of school counselors have always been a little weird to me. If you like, kind of meet a lot of school counselors, some of them are really good people. Others are incredibly woke incredibly woke <laughs> and so i'm like very curious to see how that kind of relationship would play out right now i do think this is a good idea nonetheless though because they're introducing this house bill 240 which is going to allow people kids students to be able to request so they have to request a chaplain 
and it has to be of a religion that they request for. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Muslim, you can seek a Muslim chaplain. If you're a Jew, you can seek a Jewish chaplain. If you're a Protestant, so on and so forth, Catholic, so on and so forth. Now, nonetheless, even though there's a lot of things here that are like, it's imperfect, but given the current state of America, I think this is probably the best solution. The It always confused me that the field of psychology which is the study of the soul, never involves a soul. And many of these issues that our kids are having about identity would be solved if they place their identity in Christ. And I think that this is a step in the right direction. Finding them real things so they, people will tell them, oh, tell the kids you need to spend some quiet time to meditate. But they can never tell them because we live in a secular society. Meditate on what? And what are you meditating on? Meditate on emptying yourself, whatever that means. Right. I mean, if you empty yourself, there's bound to be something to come in, right? <laughs> um, and you can only come in what invites what you invite. So this is going to be good because now a chaplain can give the same advice and sit there and be like, yeah, meditate. Here's a rosary. And so here's uh, one thing that we need to do. You need to let your priests know that this is available in your state. Um, I don't know what states all have this. I know this is something in Texas already. This is already something that got passed in, in Texas. I don't know if it's passed in any other states. Ohio is there putting it up to be passed. It looks like it probably will get passed. Now, if you are have a, have a, a child at a public school in Texas or Ohio, reach out to the local public school. And let them know, hey, we want to have a chaplain on standby. Hey, here's the number to a chaplain. Find out who are the good priests in your diocese. Because these priests have to go through a background check and have to have other things. They don't have to be licensed because they'll be working in conjunction with the, uh, with the, the school counselor. And so they don't have to have any of that, only background checks and all that. So and pretty much any Catholic priest would have that already. Yeah. And then you just contact those local priests that you trust and say, hey, would you reach out to these public schools and say, hey, if y'all ever need a chaplain, here's my number. If anybody requests a Catholic priest or a chaplain of any kind, let me know. I'd be happy to come by. Because now we can have an influence on the schools, a positive influence in saving these kids' lives. And I, it's not an exaggeration to say saving these kids' lives. Like maybe 10 years ago, it might have been an exaggeration and be like, oh, come on. Yeah, it would be good for them, but they're not literally saving their lives. Like you might literally be saving their lives from getting mutilated, from killing themselves. Like the amount of suicide among young people is absurd. Yeah. And so you really could save a child's life by doing this one small little thing. And we should start promoting it and we should let people know. And I'd be very curious. I mean, if. This is something similar happening in your state. Let me know. And I'd like to let people know so that way they can know to, to contact their schools and contact their priest. And maybe, maybe contact your priest anyway. If you're not in a state that allows this, then contact them. Uh, you'd be surprised by, depending on what city you're in, if you're in a major mega city like Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, um, maybe not. They probably have more strict control over their schools. Uh, but if you're in a small town, if you live in the outskirts of town in a suburb, perhaps the cities will be more lenient and be like, oh, yeah, I mean, if a kid wants to meet with their chaplain, then totally, that would probably be something we will allow. There's no reason to just 
censor ourselves here. Yeah, and I think with uh, young kids, uh, you know, they, they have, uh, I think the biggest issue is identity. I mean, you think, we talked about this last week. We talked about how when we were kids, I mean, we were probably unhappy with our the way that we looked and, and that sort of thing. And I think that continues to this day that there's uh, identity issues, but now it's even more pernicious because it could be, it could turn out that, you know, kids start thinking that they're the opposite gender or something like that. And they, they go through all these crazy procedures, but these are, are really spiritual questions and having somebody there to talk to and, and reason through some of these, these concerns, maybe uh, find out that it's not, uh, an abnormal thing to go through and that maybe you shouldn't take a, an extreme measure is going to be productive for them. Yeah. To have someone who, who, especially a priest, who can relate to them and say, look, there has been a saint. This saint has gone through exactly what you went through. And you can take from their example and live a Christ-centered holy life and it's going to change your life and you're going to actually find the happiness that you will never find in this world through their life. I mean, that's an incredible opportunity for sure. We need to uh, call our, our local schools and, and have a chaplain there that can do that. Find the good priest, like you said, Adrian, because, well, you know, yeah. you could have a, you could have a bad chaplain, too. Well, yeah, not every <laughs> but, priest I would uh, went to be uh, counseling kids. Yeah, now, and not all of them have that charism also. Yeah, that's true. Now, there is, um, speaking of identity crisis, I want to play this clip for you that came out of World Youth Day because... There is a this priest here is having a little bit of an identity crisis from what they're doing. So as soon as you're ready, Taylor, you can play that clip. I think it's uh, yeah. There we go. So this priest is DJing at World Youth Day uh, before Mass. This is the music they're playing to get you prepared for Mass. And you can see if you can see the video, there was Throw like this some Gregorian priest chat, and bishops everywhere. <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Aye, aye. So that's the uh, music that they're playing at World Youth Day. That seems like the kind of thing that you would want to perform mass, I'm sure. This is what I listen to when I drive to mass. Yeah. I mean, this is what they play at my church right before uh, they start mass. It's very, very concerning. This is the communion um, antiphon my church. You can cut that now. <laughs> I cannot <laughs> stand that any longer. <laughs> that is the music they're playing at wow. World Youth Day, preparing this. And it's a priest that was DJing, too. <sighs> and he actually was DJing at other parts of the event where they were just playing very, very secular music. So... What is going on in World Youth Day? Like, we're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Haven't you honestly wondered, why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline, 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin, breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke Canon Law 331, which says about the Pope, By virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. 
Donnie, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, you are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. You know, I have to call for a moratorium on all World Youth Days until we figure out what on earth is going on. Don't worry. The next one in Korea is going to be totally fun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is it really in Korea? <laughs> yeah, it's Korea. Oh, Announced. no. It's going to definitely be a like K-pop themed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. That's worse. <laughs> oh, no. Please, God. Let's no more. Now, from a technical cannot handle this. From a, of a technical perspective, the the set the DJ set wasn't that bad. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I lying? I guess if you're like comparing it to a uh, to a rave, yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's absurd. And so here's the other thing that actually kind of makes me a little bit angry. They also reposed our Lord in plastic bins. Oh. And so they had these plastic bins out, and you could see pictures of the kids. At the rave? And no, oh, later, yeah, after the mass. Because they, I guess the reasoning is that they were having a mass with a million people and trying to distribute communion to a million people, and they consecrated too many hosts. And so they had about six crates of the Holy Eucharist, and they just had it off to the side with two candles next to it. And there's some kids kneeling in front of the, these crates praying. And is this really, I mean, like this whole last couple years, we're talking about Eucharistic revival, Eucharistic revival. Is this what a Eucharistic revival looks like? The, this whole concept of Eucharistic revival is such a joke. If all we're going to do is teach, if we're just going to talk about what the Eucharist is, because you don't create belief or faith or practice by just talking. You have to put it into practice. It has to inform your life. If you go to Mass and what's preparing you for Mass is rave music, and then you repose our Lord in plastic bins, and then you say, yes, this is the God of the universe come down from heaven onto earth to meet us. And I'm supposed to believe you? That's absurd. If if you're telling me all the bishops in the world couldn't afford something more beautiful to repose our Lord in? You're telling me there's no other option? People are saying, oh, but our Lord came to earth in a humble manger. And so we should also put our Lord in a manger? And so just because our Lord came down to die on the cross, should we nail our Lord to the cross? Does that make sense? Our Lord did things of his own volition to show his humility. It is our duty to give glory to God, not to humiliate God. God will humiliate himself as he sees fit. Our job is to glorify him, is to praise him. It's an absurdity to say that it is our duty to humiliate God. No, God humiliates us. God casts down the mighty from their thrones and he lifts up the lowly. And his son, 
our Lord Jesus Christ, who is God made man, is the exemplar of that, who was humble and is now in glory. For now, the Holy Eucharist is the risen body of Christ. The risen body of Christ seated at the right hand of God the Father, who will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. I would hate to be judged after showing a million young Catholics our Lord in plastic bins. And this is what we're doing at World Youth Day? Well, I, I just don't want World Youth Day. It's almost like we haven't learned from nearly 60 years of novelty mm-hmm. that this is not working. Uh, mm-hmm. What? I mean, you're absolutely right, Adrian. And it really, it really fires me up because the reality is, is that the kids, the young people are seeing novelty and they are not going to be changed by that. They're going to continue to live worldly lives and they're not going to have any sort of eternal outlook. Are we really going to solve that problem of, of people not believing in the, the real presence of our Lord? Not yeah. if we continue doing stuff like this. Yeah, for sure. It destroys our, our, our understanding of the sacred. It profanes that. And we continue to do that. And it's promoted in the highest levels of the church. Yeah. Yep, yep. All this talk, I, if honestly, the all the talk of the Eucharist among the priests, bishops, and so on and so forth, unless you're promoting like the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, the lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi of the faith, the law of prayer, the law of belief, and the law of life, then I honestly think that you're just doing a fundraiser. I think they you're love, trying to make money off of it. They love to talk about the symptoms, but they never get to the root cause mm-hmm. of why there is such a profound lack of belief mm-hmm. in the Eucharist, why there's a complete disconnect with young people, old people, everybody in the church, and they, they just they never get to the symptoms. Yep. I mean, they never get to the root the actual, problem. They yeah. talk about the symptoms. Yeah, I... Yeah. I mean, when I see these things come up, the Eucharistic revival, um, 90% of the time, I'm like, I just look at it suspect. And I'm like, is this really, is this just a fundraising opportunity? I mean, you hope um, and pray, right? I hope and yeah, One soul, yeah. maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Amidst uh, this rave. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, here's another story. The story here, Justin Trudeau and wife separate after 18 years of marriage. It's always bad when public figures divorce because we, we would like to have good public witnesses of marriage. And then over the weekend, Justin Trudeau posted a picture, or maybe he didn't post the picture, but a picture was posted of him at the Barbie movie. <laughs> and they, okay, people are like, like, that doesn't necessarily mean he's gay, guys. Because people are already accusing him of being gay for, they've been accusing him of being gay for years. And, um, and then after he divorced his wife, people are like, see, I told you he was gay. And I was like, come on, guys. Like, just because he, like, many men divorce their wives. I mean, it's really sad, but, I mean, that happens. But he went to the Barbie movie with another guy, and they're both wearing pink shirts. And it looked really gay. I'm just like, <laughs> like, like okay, I guess there, like, it kind of seems like that actually is the case. This is a very perverted idea of the world. And it also shows a, a great perversion of an unwillingness to sacrifice. So even if... It's the case that a man gets married to a woman and he experiences same-sex attraction. What should he do? 
He made vows. You can't break your vows. The whole concept of vows have been destroyed. It's just there is no concept of being faithful to your word. Our Lord said, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. He said that we should not make vows except in a very extraordinary circumstance. Marriage is one of those extraordinary circumstances. And so if someone can't even be faithful to their spouse who you made vows before Almighty God to, how on earth can I trust you with literally anything? Whenever I meet divorced people in general, I always have a little bit of suspect because I'm like, how can I trust you as a human being if you made vows to somebody before Almighty God and you broke them? That makes no sense to me. And I immediately am suspect. Obviously, there are exceptions to rules. Obviously, there is annulments. Obviously, these things exist because I already can feel the mob coming down upon me. But it's simply the case. If, you, if someone is a well-known liar, if someone is well-known for breaking their promises, and then they break vows, which are the highest form of promise, I don't understand how I can trust you. I don't know how you can expect me to trust you. I, what's your argument to say that I should trust you? Saying, oh, but my marriage was not good. You made a vow for sickness and the poor, for better or for worse, till death do us part. And you said, but, but it was a hard marriage, though. Like, you don't understand. Okay, yeah, sure, maybe I don't understand. But you made a vow. You promised. And so I just, um, it's always very, very concerning when these things come up. And um, it's also very concerning to see. I, I really hope it doesn't come out where it's like, oh, yeah, he's 100% for sure gay. Um, but it does look like, it does not look good for him, to be honest. Just a heterosexual guy seeing the Barbie movie to begin with. Unless you're going to review the movie, like, professionally, there's really no reason to go see that <laughs> as a heterosexual man. Uh, last story that I want to cover here. President Biden suddenly expresses desire to meet his granddaughter he ignored for years. Did you hear about the story? Yeah, so his granddaughter, I, I guess she's a product of, a, you know, some sort of infidelity or something yeah, like with that. Yeah, Hunter, Hunter Biden, and I think it was a prostitute. Yeah. And they, they had the kid, and they've been denying the child the Biden name. Mm -hmm. Because the only thing that's valuable in the Biden family is the name, is the name Biden. The and brand. The brand, yeah. yeah. And there's actually been suing to try to prevent her from taking the name Biden. And the only thing that Hunter Biden gave her was his really ugly finger paintings. Um, that are being sold for millions of dollars for some reason. I wonder why. And it's interesting, though, that he's recognizing her now. Because for the longest time, President Biden pretended that she didn't exist. He would not include her when he listed his grandkids. He would not include her in the number of listing of the grandkids. And all of a sudden, he comes out now. And I wonder why. One reason could be that he is preparing for his defense of Hunter Biden, because now the whole situation of Hunter Biden is exploding because the judge refused to uh, sign off in his, his sweetheart deal. And so many people are saying, okay, his tactic is going to be, oh, I'm just a family guy. I love my family. That's why I did this. It's not actually because I was influence peddling. It wasn't because I, you know, I was just enabling my son. I know I shouldn't have done that, but I just love my family so much. And he knew that people would be like, if you love your family so much, why don't you recognize your granddaughter? <laughs> and so he... Um, well, actually... He's like, well, I, I recognize her now. After she's great. After not 
after ignoring her for her first four years of her life. She's my favorite granddaughter. Right, right. The other thing that people are saying is that um, now even the left is now coming after him for this granddaughter. Like they're they're writing articles saying, "Hey, isn't like Grandpa Joe that everybody says is the nicest guy? Why is he being so mean to his granddaughter?" And even the left is starting to pick up on that story. And the other thing is, that was the narrative of Joe Biden. Oh, Donald Trump is so mean. He speaks so vulgarly. We would like a return to normalcy, to decency, like Joe Biden. The guy who doesn't recognize his granddaughter. The guy who has a crackhead for a son. The guy who invites transvestites to take their clothes off at the White House. Return to decency. Yeah, okay. That's exactly what we're seeing, right? A return to decency. This is all very absurd, and I think that it's important to keep this in mind because many people have this idea pushed by the media that Joe Biden is this this grandpa figure, but really, he's just not a good guy. And it's something that we should keep in mind, even from just a worldly level, because they, they try to, to try to put, paint these pictures, but it's simply not the case. It's just simply not true. We have to keep that in mind because at the end of the day, obviously nobody's perfect, but we have to hold our leaders to a high standard. People did that for Donald Trump, but they don't want to do that for any of the other leaders for some reason. And we should. We should desire that our leaders be virtuous. If you can't be virtuous in your personal life, how can you be virtuous running a country? It's very difficult to see. We'll be right back. When we come back, St. Michael's Lent. Let's make penance for the world today. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices that they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. 
the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. If you want the truth, well, you're tuned to the right station. You're listening to KSHJ, 1430 AM, your Catholic radio station for Houston, Texas. The truth lives here. Ah, yes. My favorite songs. Very good. Very good. We love it. We love it. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I don't Send know if you've heard that asteroid. before. <laughs> Please. Somebody um, made a remix of Send Us Thy Holy Spirit, O Lord. And the song says, Send us thine asteroid, O Lord. Thy vengeance be on us outpoured. Engulf the uh, earth in flame and fire. And it goes on from there. Obliteration we require. And it goes on and on and on. <laughs> and I'm like... Is this Marty Hoggin? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that song whenever we were talking earlier. I forgot what we were talking about specifically. Um, but I was like, uh, during the break, I was like, Send us thine pasture. Because <laughs> 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 I'm like, the, the, it's like, God really... It would be a mercy to chastise the world. Like that. And, I mean, it's kind of funny, because this is written by these Protestants that are making it. It's just like a joke. Uh, but Our Lady Fatima, she came, and she told us that there would be fire from heaven. Fire would rain down from heaven. Nations would be annihilated. Um, many souls would suffer. And this is the prophecy of Our Lady Fatima, that this would happen. And so, yeah, I mean, it's a joke. But at the same time, the chastisement from God is actually a mercy. It's actually a grace from God because just like a child who misbehaves needs punishment, and if, it's, if a child is not punished, then you're actually doing an injustice to the child because it is actually a mercy to punish the child because then the child learns and becomes yeah. virtuous. Because if you don't punish the child, he becomes vicious. He becomes full of vice. Mm-hmm. So, send that asteroid, O oh Lord. But it is, in a way, kind of like an easy button, right? I think it's far worse of a chastisement for the Lord to turn his face away from us. Oh, it is. I mean, our 100%. Lord even says in the, in the epistles, right? He says that the, uh, he will give you unto your sin. Yeah, and you know what comes to mind is, uh, you know, Romans, wherefore God gave them up to the desires of their heart unto uncleanliness, you know, to, uh, to dishonor their own bodies among themselves. Are we not living that right now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we have lost the favor of God and we have to we have to strive and do penance and and maybe take on a St. Michael's Lent. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, I think that's a excellent excellent truth right there is that the turning away from us and letting us do what we want Ugh. is a chastisement and a chastisement is a mercy. Like I, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not attributing a feminine characteristic to God here so don't take this the wrong way but isn't it so much worse when you do something to your mom and she says I'm not angry with you because anger again that would be a mercy right because that's what we deserve it's so much worse when she says I'm not angry but I'm disappointed in you and that is kind of like God turning his face away from us hmm. so like you said 
I mean, this is an opportunity. Our, Lord, our Lady, Our Lady of Fatima, when she appeared at the Three Shepherd Children in 1917, told them penance, 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 that we have to do penance in order to turn away the wrath of God. So, I mean, if we're to believe the prophets of doom. Right, right, of course. If, I mean, we don't want to, John the 23rd said, don't trust the prophets of doom. So, um, of course, <laughs> that's up to you to decide uh, what you want to believe. It's private revelation. I, for one, am a firm believer in the Lady of Fatima and that the fire, um, the sun danced in the sky, witnessed by thousands of people. Um, so, you trust who you want. <laughs> the uh, St. Francis of Assisi actually created a Lent. And it's kind of attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, but it was kind of, um, it pre-existed Francis of Assisi, mm -hmm. but in a kind of a different form. And it was kind of became what it's known as St. Michael's Lent under Francis of Assisi, but it kind of developed culturally in certain places and was kind of popularized by Francis of Assisi because of the widespread presence of the Franciscans all over the world. And so that's called St. Michael's Lent. And it begins on the assumption of Our Lady on August 15th and ends on Michaelmas or the Feast of the Archangels or the Feast of St. Michael, uh, just depending on what calendar you're following and all that jazz, um, which is September 29th. So that's just over a month. Like it's like 40 days, basically, which is why it's called St. Michael's Lent. Now, it's a, in our kind of milieu of society, there really is only one penitential season and that's Lent. Now, traditionally, there was two, Advent and Lent. And so you would have a penitential season leading up to the Christmas season, which begins December 25th. And Advent was a time of preparation for Christmas. And because you have recognized that the greatest feast days were preceded by great fasting, mm -hmm. because you have to have the fast and the feast together. Just like Lent, the great fast, which if there's a great fast, it implies that there are lesser fasts, the great fast leads to the greatest holiday, which is Easter. And so we have this kind of pattern that it goes through. And there was a giant chasm between Lent and Advent. And there was a sense that we needed to have more penitential times. Now, how much more today? Where even our penitential times are like... Pretty light. They're pretty light. I think what happened here was St. Francis was seeing that people were having too much fun in the summertime, you know, they were going on vacation, they were forgetting things, mm -hmm. they were putting everything important away and just kind of going on leisure. And maybe we needed another penance. Well, it's good that, that this kind of idea comes up because, I mean, I don't know about you, but personally, I feel like I did not do Lent very well this year. I think I, I had a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish and I failed at them over and over again. I think I had, and, and I, I admit this, uh, I think I had better Lents when I was still like kind of a pagan heathen mm -hmm. and trying to become Catholic. I think I had better Lents than I do now. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we need more opportunities for us to perfect ourselves, not just one time out of the year. We need several times of the, out of the year to, to try and, and give ourselves a little bit more to God. Yeah. And so... I was thinking about St. Michael's Lent, and I actually had a friend who texted me and was like, hey, you want to join us for St. Michael's Lent? And I was like, ooh, like, do I really want to do penance and suffering in the middle? I right? just got my wisdom teeth taken like, Yeah, I know, right? It's like, <laughs> this is not enough, Lord. This is not enough. Um, 
And I'm thinking, so I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, well, do I need to do this? I suppose not. I suppose not. But would it be laudable to do it? It's like, okay, I did not really do Lent the way I wanted. I've had better Lents. And this is an opportunity for me to say, okay, you know what? It's time to double down and make up for my lack of penance that I did during Lent and try to do better. And so I think... I'm going to be, I'm going to accept his request. Cause at first I was like, I kind of texted him back and then I kind of ghosted him and was like, stop replying. <laughs> so what exactly is St. Michael's Lent? I mean, what are the, what are the requirements right. for this type of Lent? So like with anything, there is, um, especially nowadays, there's not really rules for say Michael's Lent specifically. There is also not really rules for um, Lent or Advent either nowadays, but there were some practices that were done that was kind of like um, that were not as difficult as uh, Lent is, but it was more difficult than it was um, than like Advent. And so Advent, we kind of um, don't really do much anymore. But the exact practices, I'm not actually sure. I got to look that up and see if I can find um, the exact practices that are encouraged during that time. But what I, my friends were planning on doing was kind of limiting our food, having more abstinence um, on certain days, and then um, we were trying to take on a couple practices that were done in the Exodus 90 group. We're not going to do all okay. of them, but like some of them. Cold showers. Uh, cold showers, that kind of sleep thing. Sleep on the floor. Um, we're not going to sleep on the floor, but it was a, it was, they were trying to do like a modified Exodus 90, basically, for a shorter amount of time. And um, I think um, we're going to discuss it, and whatever we end up deciding, I'm going to share with everybody, and then uh, people can choose to to join us if they want, um, at least in some kind of way. The and so the the Franciscans obviously they kept it very seriously. They fasted basically the whole time, which I'm like, by the way, I'm not going to do. <laughs> I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but St. Francis of Assisi. I'm just going to say foreshadowing for the Fear and Trembling game show. Oh, foreshadowing. Interesting. You get my drift? Wink, wink. Interesting. St. Francis of Assisi. Interesting. Wink, wink. Who, you know, he died a deacon. You know that? Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's very interesting. St. Francis of Assisi, this very, this huge spirit of poverty and penance. And during our time, I mean, we look at the bad news every day. And these bad news kind of pile on more and more every day. And it's just like, it feels so burdensome. That's one of the like most difficult things about this job, to be honest with you. Uh, it's not the waking up early kind of thing. It's the constant dragging through. I mean, they, kind of, they call these uh, journalists back then, they call them muckrakers, right? But we're constantly dealing with the bad news. Yeah, and that's the case, right? I mean, these, these bad news, I mean, it's not... It's not fun. It's not fun. It's not nice. And people get depressed by it. But what's the answer? Well, the answer is what Our Lady of Fatima told us. Penance, penance, penance. And if you don't want to believe in Our Lady of Fatima and the prophets of doom, well, why don't you believe our Lord who said some demons can only be driven out by prayer and fasting? And so if we only have one time a year where we're going to be fasting, well, we are in a world surrounded by demons. We live in the city of the devil. 
the city of angels, the city of God has been destroyed in the society today. And if we want to drive out the demons, what greater thing can we do than one, prayer, two, fasting, and three, a calling upon St. Michael and his legion of angels. And so I'm going to encourage you to um, look into St. Michael's Lent a little bit. Uh, maybe get a group together of men and women. It doesn't have to be just men. Yeah. Um, this could be a family thing. It could be whatever you think is best. And try to treat it like a Lent. Treat it like a Lent. Figure out what kind of practices you want to do. I'll share with you whatever we end up deciding to do as a group. Uh, pick some prayers. Maybe the Chaplet of St. Michael during this time or the Litany of the angels, the litany of, the, of your holy guardian angel, uh, some kind of prayer like this, kind of some kind of devotion to the holy angels. And let's, let's create this. Let's create a movement of people to say, hey, let's do penance. Let's actually affect change because our prayers affect change. The calling upon the angels affects change. It's not this kind of nonsense where we're saying, oh, yeah, where this is just, just another thing. This is a reality. It has real effects on the world around us. Calling upon the angels will change the world, and maybe we can unite under this. And that's what it's all about, you know. I think uh, it's easy for us to, to to maybe take on personal penances and stuff, and we're not we're not really um, held accountable because you're only accountable to yourself, right? And so when you do this together with other people, you have a community of support. You're going to egg each other on. And, and there's nothing but good that could come out from this. I'm so inspired. I'm going to put my chips on the table and say, I'm going to join this. I'm going to join this cause because for my personal intentions, yeah, we are living in, in a, a, you know, the city of the devil oftentimes. And it's foolish for us to think that uh, that doesn't have any influence on our, our families whatsoever. I, I see it kind of I see it kind of affect my family, you know, even through through me. And mm. so I'm going to put my chips on the table and I'm going to say, I'm going to take on this this fasting. I'm going to take right. on well, if Rudy's this doing penance. it, then I'm going to do it too. If you're going to do it, let's do it. All right. Let's do it, dude. Because right. nothing but good can come from this. That's true. And instead of being so disheartened by what's going on in the world, we can take solace in knowing that we have the answer. And the answer was given to us by Our Lady. Here is the solution to your problems. Mm. Here we are. We have it. All we have to do is grasp it. Seize it. It seize the day. Yeah. It's going to be great. Amen. St. Michael, pray, pray for, for us. us. All right. That's going to lead us into fear and trembling. Speaking of uh, destruction of the world, right? Fear and trembling. Um, our Catholic trivia game show. And you could win a prize. There is some foreshadowing during this segment that may give you an advantage. So if you're listening, uh, make sure you call in 877-757-9424. Coming up, we're going to take the first caller, 877-757-9424. The first caller could, in fact, be a winner. How do you win? Dial now, 877-757-9424. All new prizes this week. If you would like to win, 877 757 9424. One last time, 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. 877-9424. I'm looking at the call line right now. And if you call now, you can be the first caller and be a winner. How do you do so? 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of the game show. Now you may be saying, what game show? What am I calling into? If I dial 877-757-9424 right now, what exactly would I be calling into? Well, you're listening to the Fear and Trembling Game Show, the Catholic trivia game show that gives out prizes every single week. Here I have three Catholic trivia questions. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the question, so you don't even need to know the answers at all. If you don't know a single answer, you could still win. Because the trick is I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to ask Rudy the questions, and Rudy is going to give me an answer, and every right answer, and your job is to tell me whether or not he's right or whether or not he is wrong, which means even if you just guess, there's a 50-50 chance of you getting the answer correct. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of a divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Adrian, Father Lassance once said, quote, Pictures, and I mean really good pure pictures, are consolers of loneliness. They're a relief to the troubled mind. They're windows to the imprisoned heart. They're books, history, sermons, which we can read without the trouble of turning over the leaves or straining the eyes, unquote. That being said, the prize pack this week is sponsored by Nicole Lanthier Art, and you can win a beautiful Catholic art print for your domestic church. Now, Nicole is a wife and a mother of five. Her home studio is located in southwest Louisiana, which is pretty near to us. And all of the Catholic art and designs on her shop are her own original work, which she hopes will inspire and be a blessing for your Catholic home or a special gift to those who you love. Now, if you'd like to support her works, your support sends her five children to a wonderful Catholic school and puts groceries on her table. You can check her out 
at etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nicole Lanthier. I'm going to spell that out because uh, it's a very unique spelling. It's N-I-C-H-O-L-E-L-A-N-T-H-I-E-R. Or follow her on Instagram, <laughs> Nicole. That's Nicole with a, uh, with a C-H. Uh, O L E in the, in there. I'm going to spell it one more time because oh, it's man. it's a very That's unique rough. spelling here. Uh, at Nicole N I C H O L E L A N T H I E R, and I'll put that in our social feeds if you want to follow her or if you want to support her on her Etsy page. Thank you, Nicole, for sponsoring Fear and Trembling. This well, this if you'd week. like to win that prize, a beautiful print, and what you have to do is dial now eight seven seven. Seven five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. I mean, look over at the call line, and if good news for you, if you call <laughs> in now, you will be the contestant. So dial now eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. We'd love to have you on our show so make sure you call in 877-757-9424 and if you'd like you could always get our information on our website go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt grnonline.com forward slash cdt if you call then you can always make sure that you get your information um there my our information there and you can call into the game show so we'd love to have you there now Joining us right now is Jeffrey. And Jeffrey, is that you? Maybe not. Uh, who am I speaking with? Uh, you're speaking with Jeff Turner's daughter. Oh, Jeff Turner's oh. daughter. All right, Jeff Turner's daughter. Game show better than him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and what's your name? Kella. Kella with a K. Kella. I say one more time. T A U L A. Tala. Tala. Got it. There you go. What a very nice name. Now, Tala, where are you off to this morning? Uh, first day of school, and it's my birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Happy birthday! Praise you to God. Happy birthday to you. And uh, have a great day at the first day of school. That's, That's exciting. Awesome. Uh, well, maybe I won't ask what school. I don't want to. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't want to dox people. What's your favorite <laughs> subject in school, Tala? English. English. Well, you know, English is my first language. It's also um, my only language, and I also am still not very good at it. Not very good. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tala, I, you sound like you're an English scholar. I, do you like reading? Yes, a lot. Praise be to God. What, what are you reading right now? What's your favorite book you're reading right now? Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Hey, hey classic. wow. Oh, my goodness. She's a classic reader. I'm, in, I'm impressed. What grade are you in, Tala? Uh, I'm going in a sixth. Going in a sixth grade. Crazy to God. That's awesome. All right, Tala. Uh, let's start the game show. You are familiar. You know how the game works. Uh, so yep. I'm very impressed with you already. I'm guaranteeing that I think she's going to get a three for three. I think she's going to get a three for three. Are you ready to play? Yes. Let's do it. Question number one for you, Rudy. All right. So speaking of reading, I hope you read these things before. Now, where in the Bible are the Ten Commandments written? The Ten Commandments, they were given to the Jews, mm -hmm. 
It was a structure for them. Right. They really needed it. Of course. And of course, we see that the 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 mass of the laws oh, right. were in Leviticus. Right. So they were given to them in the book of Leviticus. Oh. After the fact. Interesting. After the fact that they were taken out from Egypt. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, Tala. Uh, 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, where in the Bible are the Ten Commandments written? Rudy seems to think that it is Leviticus, where all the laws are written out. Uh, what say you, Tala, heading in for her first day of school? He is wrong. He is wrong. Well, let's go see if that is, in fact, correct. And it is actually... Uh, it is correct, technically, but it's also incorrect because yeah. the Ten Commandments are actually written in Leviticus. Oh, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> they were originally both. given. Yeah, they're originally given in Exodus. <laughs> in Exodus. In Exodus, which was the correct answer. But technically speaking, the Ten Commandments are listed in Leviticus, and that's where the numbering um, confusion comes from. Oh. Yeah, they're listed twice. Mm. Um, but very good. Very good, Tala. It is, in fact, she's, Exodus is she's the, a was the correct answer. Um, she's clearly read the entirety of the Bible from cover to cover, I'm sure. Um, all right, Tala, are you ready for question number two? Yes. All right, let's jump into question numero dos. Was St. Francis of Assisi A, a brother, B, a priest, or C, a deacon? And I meant to ask this to Rudy, not to Tala. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's C, a deacon. A deacon, you say? Yes. Uh, you know, St. Francis, he felt unworthy mm. to be a priest mm -hmm. and to call God down from heaven in that host wow. as a priest. He felt unworthy to do that. So he died a deacon. Well, if someone listened to the last segment, then they may have heard some foreshadowing, foreshadowing. of this answer before. All right, Tala. Um, I hope you know something about St. Francis of Assisi. Now, the question on the board is, was St. Francis of Assisi A, a brother, B, a priest, or C, a deacon? Uh, Rudy seems to think it's C, a deacon. What say you, Tala? Is he right or is he wrong? Wrong. He's wrong. Are you sure that he's wrong, Tala? Yes. Are you 100% certain? Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Foreshadowing? <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, that is not correct. He was, in fact, a deacon. He died a deacon. Um, what were you? What, uh, what did you think the answer was? Uh, I thought he was a priest. No, yeah, that, that's a good guess. Uh, but no, he actually, Rudy was right. He thought that he was unworthy to become a priest, and they had to, like, convince him. He didn't even want to be a deacon. He just wanted to be a brother for the rest of his life. And they convinced him. They're like, no, no, because no one's going to believe you unless you're at least ordained a deacon. you got to have some kind of orders. And so he relented, and he became a deacon. He died a deacon. But don't worry, Tala. Since it's your birthday, I'm going to give you three anyway. Oh, well, there you go. Drudy is uh, a very generous man. All right, Tala, you ready for question number three? Yes. All right. Now, this one, I think you're going to get. This is a pretty straightforward answer here. Uh, the question on the board is, what are pieces of incense... Oh, sorry, why? Why are pieces of incense put in the wax nails in the Paschal candle? Hence, nails. Think nails. Rudy? Okay, so 
Easter season was famous for mm-hmm. pilgrims coming into Rome. Right. And pilgrims would walk all the way from wherever they were. Okay. And they would smell, dude. Oh, okay. They would smell horrible. That's true. There weren't any showers. They were, you know, maybe weren't hiking next to the creek. And mm. they would smell. So they put these incense, uh, pieces of incense in the nails. So that by the time the candle got to that point, it would start smelling a little bit oh, better to, to hide the odor of those pilgrims. Oh, right. That um, certainly has a and story that, to it. And that is the final nail in the coffin. <laughs> there you go. For All the bad right. smells. All right, Tala. 15 seconds on the clock. The question on the board is, why are pieces of incense put in the wax nails in the Paschal candle? And let me give you another hint. Now they put five of those pieces of incense on the nails in the Paschal Candle. Uh, 15 seconds of the clock. What say you, Tala? Rudy seems to think they put the five pieces of incense on the five nails in the Paschal calendar Candle because uh, pilgrims stink. Um, what say you, Tala? Is he right or is he wrong? I think he's right. You think he's wrong. Well, that is, in fact... Um, Correct. That is, in fact, correct, Tala. Uh, it is the five are representing the five wounds of Christ. So very good, Tala. Um, we're giving you three for three for your birthday. Praise be to God. Happy You're birthday so to wise. you. Happy birthday to you, Tala. And call back. We'd love to have you. And hope you have a blessed day at your first day of school. And we're going to be praying for you on your birthday. I'm going to say an extra rosary just for you, Tala. God bless you and God love you. Thank and stay on the line. All right, we're going to put you on hold, stay on the line so we can get your parents' information so we can send that prize should your name be drawn on Friday. Uh, God love you. And that's going to do it. If you can join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. Uh, Hop on our social media streams, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter, and we'd love to interact with you directly there. If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the GRN and Catholic Spirit Radio. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome back to the... The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi. Today we celebrate the memorial of Pope St. Sixtus II and Companions and St. Kajizan. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers and all those listening to Guadalupe Radio Network. Faith of our fathers living still in spite of dungeon, fire, and sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whene'er we hear that glorious word 
Faith of our fathers, living faith, we will be true to thee till death. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison, Let us pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit we pray, Almighty God, make us docile in believing the faith and courageous in confessing it, just as you granted St. Sixtus and his companions, that they might lay down their lives for the sake of your word and in witness to Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Numbers. The children of Israel lamented, Would that we had meat for food. We remember the fish we used to eat without cost in Egypt, and the cucumbers, melons, and leeks, the onions and the garlic. But now we are famished. We see nothing before us but this manna. Manna was like coriander seed and had the color of resin. When they had gone about and gathered it up, the people would grind it between the millstones or pound it in a mortar, then cook it in a pot and make it into loaves, which tasted like cakes made with oil. At night, when the dew fell upon the camp, the manna also fell. When Moses heard the people, family after family, crying at the entrance of their tents, so that the Lord became very angry, he was grieved. Why do you treat your servant so badly? Moses asked the Lord. Why are you so displeased with me, that you burden me with all these people? Was it I who conceived all these people? Or was it I who gave them birth, that you tell me to carry them at my bosom, like a foster father carrying an infant, to the land you have promised under oath to their fathers? Where can I meet? Where can I get meat to give all these people? For they are crying to me, Give us meat for our food. I cannot carry all this people by myself, for they were too heavy for me. If this is the way you will deal with me, then please do me the favor of killing me at once, so that I need no longer face this distress. The word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. Sing with joy to God our help. Sing with joy to God our help. My people heard not my voice, and Israel obeyed me not. So I gave them up to the hardness of their hearts. 
They walked according to their own counsels. Sing with joy to God our help. If only my people would hear me, and Israel would walk in my ways. Quickly would I will humble their enemies. Against their foes I would turn my hand. Sing with joy to God our help. Those who hated the Lord would seek to flatter me, but their fate would endure forever. While Israel, while Israel I would feed with the best of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would fill them. Sing with joy to God our help. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. One does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place, and it is already late. Dismiss the crowd so that they can go to villages and buy food for themselves. He said to them, There is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the fragments left over, twelve wigger baskets full. Those who ate were about five thousand men, not counting women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm going to confess. I've actually, you know, it's kind of sad, but I've, I actually prayed the Moses Prayer. As a as a pastor, Lord, kill me now! This is this is killing me. I would prefer a quick and easy death rather than the weight of these people. This is what Moses was praying in the desert when he was faced with the complaints and the murmuring of all the Israelites who wanted things to be different than the way that they are. And a pastor has to lead them through the desert of aridity of not getting what you want. The church is not the way that you want it to be. History is not the way you want it to be. Your life, your soul, everything is deliberately by God. God desires you to experience a desert. Why? Why is that so important? Is that self-will and self-gratification 
is a dangerous place for you to journey. It's a dangerous place for you to go because what happens is you start to see yourself as God, as powerful as, as the master of your own destiny, and you're not. You don't have that power over your life. You can't make it rain even. You, you know, you don't have that power. And to, to deceive yourself into thinking that that's the way it is, is really dangerous. Because you lack the main thing for the spiritual life is humility. And God wants you to have humility because he wants you to have himself. He wants you to have divine charity. Divine charity cannot live in a saturated, egoist, egotistical environment of your soul. And so therefore, has to be, you have to be taken out into a lonely place. Like the, the people with Jesus. They were taken out into a lonely place. Not only were they taken out, but the apostles were taught a lesson too. And this is what Jesus teaches pastors. He teaches priests this. He brings them both out into this lonely place, this desert, and then he says something impossible to them. Feed them yourselves. What? With what? What are they supposed to possibly feed them? Well, he, basically he says God will provide. He will provide something very different than what you want. And it's so important that way because God's will is not in your imagination. It's not what you want it to be. God's will there must needs be different from what's in your head, what's in you. It's not in you. It's outside of you, and in order to reach God's will, you're going to have to transcend yourself. It's so necessary for you to have to transcend yourself to get to God's will. The church is not going to be a nice, squeaky clean, holy, beautiful, perfect thing that you want it to be for that reason, so that you have to go beyond, you have to transcend what you're wanting it to be. Your marriage is not going to be what you want it to be. Your children are not going to be what you want it to be. And God's grace is not going to be what you want it to be, but it will be sufficient. God's grace will always be sufficient. Not only that, once you accept the fact that God is in, in control, God is God and I am not, you let God feed you this glorious banquet because that's exactly what Jesus did. That's when he multiplied the loaves and the fishes, and that's exactly what he does in the Eucharist. All your needs, all your longings, all the answer to all your problems are in the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ given to you at this altar in a few moments. And he is going to give you everything. He's going to give you his entire divinity. And it's not going to look what, like what you like it to. His grace isn't going to be that. It's going to be something different where you do have to transcend yourself you do have to say, thy will be done, not mine. It is going to look like the cross of Christ. That's what it's going to look like. At first, arid. First, it's going to look like you're not being fed. At first, it's going to look difficult. But to go through that desert of trust and say, Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I give myself to you because you give yourself to me. When in return, what you get is everything that God has to offer you which is a superabundant banquet. It is manna, this mysterious food from heaven. Let us turn to the Lord and trust him. Even at times it may feel like a desert. Trust him to feed us. The graces he will feed us, the will, the power, the strength, the mercy that he wishes to give us 
which is different from our own, that we may transcend ourselves, may answer the call to holiness, and we be the saints that God is calling us to be. Saint Cogiton and Pope Saint Sixtus II and Companions, pray for us. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth with the holiness of Jesus Christ to the nations. We pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, all the children, the young people of the world at World Youth Day, that they may have conversion and reinvigoration of their mission as disciples of Jesus Christ and the calling of holiness. We pray in a special way for an increase of vocations to priesthood, religious life, and the sanctification of holy matrimony. For these we pray to the Lord. We pray for government leaders that they may not obstruct Christ. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray for the lost, the forsaken, the abandoned, those who are wandering in the desert alone who have been lost that we may respond to the needs of our time and discipleship of our time with generosity and trust. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, far good and good of all his holy church. Receive, Holy Father, the offerings we bring in commemoration of the holy martyrs, and grant that we, your servants, may be found steadfast in confessing your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you are praised in the company of your saints, and in crowning their merits you crown your own gifts. By the way of life you offer us an example. By communion with them you give us companionship. By their intercession sure support. 
so that encouraged by so great a cloud of witnesses, we may run as victors in the race before us and win with them the imperishable crown of glory through Christ our Lord. And so with angels and archangels, with a great multitude of the saints, we sing the hymn of your praise as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, O Sanha in excelsis, Benedictus, Qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sanha in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. The time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread, and giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, 
audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuhur nomen tuhum, adveniat regnum tuhum, fiat voluntas tuha, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, dan nobis hodie, et imiten nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos a mahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. We totally speak out on Mundi, no homies. On you stay, we totally speak out on Mundi, Donna no bispahacham. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. communion antiphon. It is you who have stood by me in my time of trials, and I confer a kingdom on you, says the Lord, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. Act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen.
unto receive her name. From the lips of sinners unto whom he came, faithfully he bore it, spotless to the last, brought it back victorious when from death he passed. Let us pray. O God, who in your holy martyrs have wonderfully made known the mystery of the cross, graciously grant that drawing strength from this sacrifice, we may cling faithfully to Christ and labor in the church for the salvation of all through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Our fathers chained in prison stark were still in heart and conscience free. And truly blessed would be our fate if we like them should die for thee. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Faith of our fathers, Mary's prayers, shall win all nations unto thee. And through the truth that comes from God, mankind shall then indeed be free. Faith of our fathers, holy faith, we will be true to thee till death. Faith of our fathers, we will love both friend and foe. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen.
Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy from Friendswood. I'm Leah Wynn from Mary Queen Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.